Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. Oh, I'm still getting used to the last name thing. We started out early episodes. We were saying our last names, and then we dropped them. Then we got really casual, and yeah. then I was—I was about to say I've got—I haven't done this in like I think four or five episodes now. I do have a Mike Sard lemonade with me today. Yes, congratulations! Thank, thank you so much. <laughs> I do think this was a cute bit when we were recording most of the episodes at night. However, it's three p.m. and mm. it's buying a Mike Sard lemonade at three p.m. is a bad look. I, People get worried. Yeah. I, I panicked and I also grabbed oatmeal raisin cookies to be like, no, but I also care about my health. Sure. Yeah. Bal- <laughs> balanced lunch, Jamie. Great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To address the Mike's Hard Lemonade ongoing storyline on the Bechdel cast, mm-hmm. they have followed us on Twitter. Have we DM'd them yet? We have not. Oh, God. I know. Mike I guess H. we should do that. Mike's Hard Lemonade. That's a full name, right? My- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike H. Lemonade. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's uh, the state of affairs. I this think is our, our guest is horrified with your choices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting to say something about your choices until you want me to. So I'm literally Speak sitting really in my chair going, uh, the only other time I've ever seen anyone drink Mike's Hard Lemonade is on Dateline Predator. <laughs> It's literally the drink of Predator's Choice. Every time, every time. I used to be obsessed with that show. And it would be like, the fake adult would be like, I'll be down in a minute. And then the creepy Predator would be like, I stopped and got some Mike's Hard Lemonade. And so I kind of feel like the crew of Dateline Predator love Mike's Hard Lemonade. So the way that they got it for free was to tell the person posing as the person who was going to be predated that's yeah. not a word <laughs> yeah, no, not. Uh, who was going to be datelined um, <laughs> to tell that guy that she liked Mike's Hard Lemonade he gets hauled off to jail they're like here's our Mike's Hard Lemonade woo we are nailing it that's super yeah. sneaky I, I love I mean maybe that maybe it's there's some sort of people who love Dateline people who love Mike's Hard because 
I love Dateline NBC. <laughs> I and know. I've been known to crack a mic's heart and enjoy an episode. The correlation is obvious. <laughs> yes. I'm a Lester head. It's mics and it's hard. <laughs> Give me the Lester. It's a lemonade. And it's lemonade. I know. So it's Ugh. got all of the ingredients of a Dateline Predator episode. <laughs> a dude, something that's hard, and a non-alcoholic beverage for your underage team. But then the hard makes it, I don't yeah. know. You know what? I just ruined your sponsorship. Mike like, Age, don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to the haters. That would be, I would, I think it would be a, a wild, I mean, if Mike's Hard Lemonade wants to clean up their image a little bit, sponsor a feminist podcast, you know? That's, That's right. how I, yeah, to be fair, 100%. Like, we do not yeah. have a, a, an actual sponsorship. No, we've just been <laughs> okay, harassing them for a year. Also, Predator's probably like, you know, chocolate and, and soft pillows, too. So it's right. not like, yeah. I'm not trying to like <laughs> deem this the beverage of of Roy Moore. <laughs> what? It is. Roy Moore's choice is a Mike's Hard Lemonade in a goblet. <laughs> All right. Wait, anyway. What's the podcast about? So we are the Bechtel cast. We yes. talk about the portrayal of women in movies. Sure. We use the Bechtel test created by cartoonist Alison Bechtel as sort of a yardstick, a jumping off point. Mm. The Bechtel test requires that two women in a movie have names. They talk to each other, and their conversation has to be about anything besides a man. Do you want to do a demo? I'd love to. Oh, I was going to bring up Mike's heart. I can't. How about uh, that oatmeal cookie? The oatmeal cookie is bad. We just passed. That was, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, you've already heard her voice, but let us actually give a formal <laughs> introduction to our wonderful guest today. She is the co-creator of The Daily Show. Ever heard of it? NBD. And she is the founder of Lady Parts Justice. Liz Winston. Hi. You would think I was the also the producer of Dateline Predator. <laughs> it was be a great roundabout plug. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yay. So you brought us the movie The Post. I did. Tell mm -hmm. us why you chose this movie. Well, I um as you would maybe uh, guess from my CV that you just said, mm. uh, I'm a big political junkie and a media junkie. And uh, when I heard there was going to be a movie about Catherine Graham's sort of taking over the post from her husband in an era where, you know, women weren't running media anythings mm -hmm. and women weren't really even working in the media that much. And it was just 20 or 25 years that women even covered Washington. You know, it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said... When I do press conferences, I will only talk to women, which forced every single newspaper to have to hire women reporters because they didn't have any. It was genius. That's and awesome. So I didn't know you that. Figure, yeah, amazing. that was in like, you know, the late 30s. So that means that this was in 1972, I think. And so, you know, 40 years of just having this woman take over the paper. It was owned by her family. They gave it to her husband. Not her. Right. Mm -hmm. And then her husband does it. So, and I just love news and media and all that stuff. And I really love Watergate and the Nixon administration and mm -hmm. all that. So, it was exciting for me to have a story that told of how the Pentagon Papers came to be and the injunction with the Times and how the Washington Post kind of had a comeback. So, that's why I picked it because I thought it was going to be really great. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't find it really great. <laughs> I was so yeah. ready to enjoy this movie. Right. It was because it has and this will be I think this is like my main thing with it is like it has all the ingredients for a great movie, but mm -hmm. it's not. It's extremely mediocre. It's it was really frustrating because it's like they have this it's an amazing story. They've got the actor you would think, but the no. all-star cast, you've got Steven Spielberg Stars at the are helm. Out for this one. Yeah, I just saw it about 2 hours ago. So 
Jamie, you had already seen it, and I only saw it today. So it's like I'd already we're seen switching that. roles. I was ready. I mean, I, I love, or I have loved, like journalism movies. I think that they can be great, very exciting, but this one wasn't. No, and it's, I was reading that they wanted to get it out this year because of the parallels of journalism and controversy and government overreach and mm-hmm. all of that. And it was so thrown out. And I'm a historian. And so I knew who all the players were. Yeah. But I can't imagine. And I don't know if you guys are like news nerds or anything, but like they didn't really tell me enough about who Daniel Ellsberg was as a backstory, right. what the Rand Corporation is as a backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you meet Ben Bradley, you don't even know, you know, a guy named Ben. You don't know like that he is, you know, running the Washington Post. So mm-hmm. it was all, and even Robert McNamara, they kept calling him Mr. Secretary in this opening scene that introduces his role as the Department of Defense secretary who crafted this incredible dossier that we now know as the Pentagon Papers that showed that we knew we were losing the war and we sent men anyway and and then our government Mm -hmm. covered it up. But, like, you don't learn that he's McNamara tell in. So it's, to me, I felt like you need to give people a context. You know, when All the President's Men was made, it was made just under two years after Watergate happened. So mm-hmm. everybody had the information and they knew. This is 45 years later. Mm-hmm. Cut us a break on the story. And then when I saw David Cross is in it and Bob Odenkirk, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I thought that they were um, Woodward and Bernstein. Oh. And they're not. Oh. No. no, they're absolutely not. <laughs> they're, not. <laughs> they're not. You know, I was like, I thought they were going to be Woodward and Bernstein. That no, would have been not. more fun. Yeah. yeah. I think that Why been wouldn't you sense. have David Cross and Bob Odenkirk? <laughs> Not play Woodward and Bernstein. I was like, that's a failing on on everybody's part. Yeah. This was tricky. It was like, because I I am like aware of everything that happened and and know all the the main, you know, players. But it was confusing with with the way the movie treats a lot of the characters. Like it does assume that you're going to make a lot of connections that there's no reason that you would. Unless you knew everything. Where, yeah, like the, the, the secretary connection took me, I think, until almost halfway in the movie. Be like. Oh, that's who they're talking. That makes way more sense. Where it's like the, sometimes they're using like Mr. So-and-so. Sometimes they're using their title. Sometimes they're just using their first name. And there's ne- never any connection. And I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that there was like a timeliness thing to it. Because that that felt like a little like we're being kind of hit over the fucking head with it, too. Where there were like two scenes I wrote down. I'm like, Tom Hanks may as well break the fourth wall and look to camera and like wink of like, <laughs> hear that, Mr. Prezi? Like, it's just oh. like, it was a little, I'm like, and it was a bit much. And he's forgetting his accent a lot. Yes. He kept being like, I'm sorry, who are you right now? What accent was he meant to be doing? I I don't know. It sounded Boston it sometimes and, and other times I'm just like, what is happening? Also, the protest scenes were so cheeseball-y. So dumb. It looked like yeah. they gave every extra a Sharpie and said, write something that sounds like it was back then. I mean, there was so many fringe vests and so many dudes with, like, long hair singing. Like, everybody played the guitar. It was like there was four people in a pod playing guitar and singing a peace song and other people had like Molotov cocktails. It was like, is all of the, is everything that happened happening at once? It was so dumb. (laughs) There was a lot of like uncanny valley qualities to this movie of just like, what is it? Like this, the era had been described to the set dresser, but not like she hadn't actually heard it. And Meryl Streep just kept sleeping (laughs) in her her own, in her own, 
paper. Like she'd have a notebook and she every scene of her was like waking her up from narcolepsy moments that she was right. having. And I keep calling her Meryl Streep. Catherine Graham, the Catherine yeah. Graham character. We usually end I up know just her calling as, people yeah. by their actor. I know her as Meryl Street. Meryl Street. <laughs> Listeners of the Pulp Fiction episode might recall that, mm-hmm. according to me, her name is Meryl Street. Anyway, amazing call. The back. other part, <laughs> the other part that I thought was so lame is whenever they would cut to the Nixon lookalike on the oh my phone. God. Like oh. you see him through like a window of the White House, and he's like talking on the phone. He's like making these insane hand gestures. Not and, a like, good, not a particularly good impression. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> and just like not shot well. Like I was just like, what is this? Ugh, I don't know. So I, I've taken history classes. I've learned about the Vietnam War. I read a whole book about it. And somehow I don't remember a single thing about it. I don't know (laughs) almost anything about the historical events that were depicted in this movie. For some reason, American history goes in one ear and out the other. I just like cannot absorb it or remember it. For our purposes, for that's helpful because it because this movie must have been truly insane to watch. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. not not really <laughs> like, not knowing any of the major players of this story, not remembering or knowing much about it to begin with. I would say I was watching the movie for about forty five minutes until I even understood what was happening. Well, it's true, <laughs> like, and that's the part that. And for somebody who does understand it, all I kept doing was getting more frustrated that they weren't filling other people in on what was happening. And for me, like, I got... So I'm old as fuck. So I, when Watergate was happening, I was around 11 or 12 or I don't know. It was like, yeah. But I got, like, preteen chicken pox one summer. Mm. So I couldn't go out. And I watched the Watergate hearings every day. Wow. Like, I was oh this God. crazy loony kid who watched the Watergate hearings every day. And I was sort of fascinated by it. So I loved it. And I was kind of like, I don't know, what a nerd. So I, you know, life changing chicken pox. It was life changing <laughs> chicken pox, you know. And so I was like this eleven year old kid talking about Sam Irvin and John <laughs> Dean, and like I kind of knew what was happening. And then I would ask my dad to kind of fill me in, and then I realized my dad was like a total right wing kook, and <laughs> so um, that was problematic. And so I had a whole bunch of older siblings who were like protesting the war, and so our dinner was always like a shit show of screaming at each other. So I wanted to see this part of, because we always heard about the New York Times, and then we saw all the president's men, and I just wanted to hear this, like, take on what happens when a woman takes over a paper. And all I did was see somebody going, have you talked to Bob? What does Bob say? Does Bob wait? Bob, are you on the phone? Is Bob here? Where are my glasses? How's this going to, I don't know. And it was like, what the hell? Meryl is meryling out in this movie, too. She's like like Feral Street. She's like, honey, what is happening? <laughs> she's like, she's doing it like I was, because I, I went back and watched interviews with Catherine Graham and was like, why did she make these choices that she made? It didn't make, like, she was doing sort of her Julia Child voice, <laughs> but like if Julia Child, Child was very tired. Yeah. That's what her Catherine Graham said. just kept like. asking for her glass. I'm trying to make... <laughs> but I can't find my glasses. <laughs> There's a few different times where she went, Ben. Ben. And then Bob Odenkirk's character's name was also Ben. So that was also problematic. So many Bens. Too so many, many Bens. Too would, many Bens. <laughs> I would argue that in a cast, a pretty amazing cast, almost no one does a good job. Like it's it's it's, <laughs> it's kind downing. of amazing how how bad everybody does. Steven Spielberg, I would say, did a pretty horrendous bang-up job. Tonally, it just really 
bothered me of like even in the first scene where it's like okay we start with the flashback and then we go to um the the story being put together and it's all this it's all like swelling music crossfading in of headlines spoken exposition it's like there has to be a more could this scene be faster why is this scene slow it's the most important part it just it was driving me well, can i do crazy. a reenactment i'm, gonna, I'm yes, gonna say please. a line and you guys are gonna repeat t- what the next line is yes. okay <laughs> okay i'm a little kid mm. you want some lemonade <laughs> is it, what do they like no <laughs> how much is it oh, no wondering. no <laughs> Is there vodka in it? Oh, yeah. Whoa, okay. I'm disappointed in the both of you. That uh, we were not, like, uh, taken by the, is there vodka in it? I, I have a question That was about... one of the female lines. Does that count? That, yeah. that count as when a child selling lemonade says, yeah, I love it. Is there vodka? Well, it is two women talking about do, do drinking. We, to do, a we, do we find out what the kid's name is? I think we do, right? No, that was, I was I, like that maybe. Would be... I feel like there's a lot of female characters in this movie whose names we do not know. Also, speaking of, I was confused lemonade, about that too. You are drinking lemonade with basically vodka in it. Yeah, you know who knows what's in this can? <laughs> Could knows? be anything. Could, Could be, be anything. Opioids. Taking years off my life, yeah. but uh, not sure what is in it exactly. Couldn't tell you. No, no, no. In the theater, I saw this movie for the first time last week, mm-hmm. and so we've all seen it in theaters, right? Yes. Okay. In my theater, every time the Nixon impersonator was on screen, and the movie closes with him, too, there was audible laughing. Yeah. And there was, like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. there, when it closed on him being, like, I forget where, like, the closing line, but he was just like, hopefully nothing else bad will happen. And then his little <laughs> cheek noise, like, whatever, his <laughs> jowls are clattering <laughs> together like cymbals. And everyone was, like, cackling. And then it was like, oh, the movie's over what mm. oh okay great they could have literally cast a great dane just to play nixon <laughs> i mean that's how bad it was <laughs> so and it was shot so lame <laughs> it was just like and then oh another part where there was audible laughter in the theater was when they cut to the picture of tom hanks and his wife and the kennedys and it was a really bad photoshop, photoshop. Of, yes. of that framed photo everyone was like what the fuck uh-huh. is this this is so stupid <laughs> Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Bang up. Also, it was for me, I guess, you know, this was like a marginal detail that drove me insane, but Ben Bradley was married three times. Mm-hmm. And this was his second wife. Amazing waste of Sarah Paulson. Yes. In, in a role. And so it was like his last wife, Sally Quinn, also wrote for the Washington Post. And mm. so if you didn't know the history, but you maybe knew about her, because the cool thing about Sally Quinn and Ben Bradley is that they bought the Grey Gardens house from Crazy Little Edie and Big Edie. From the Beals. Wow, and they cool. redid the whole thing. Oh, I'm a treasure wow. trove of useless <laughs> bullshit. Oh. Like, for real. You're sad I don't That's live here. That's a little here. bit of gristle. That's yeah. good. I know. Yeah. You're welcome. Whoa. Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah. So I was like, that's not Sally Quinn. That's got to be, her name was like Antoinette Pichot, I think. <laughs> I, I literally think her name is Antoinette oh. Pichot. She, she was like, and, and he she called was a sculptor. her teen. You know, that's like going, like some doing some deep cuts. Yeah. Oh, so I guess we're going to do the research and find out her nickname was teen. <laughs> it was, I... Uh, and then she's really only in, I mean, she appears in it several times, but usually she's serving food. She is, yeah. uh, you know, facilitating whatever. And then she's in that one near the climax of the movie. Do where you want she, some sandwiches? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The do you want some sandwiches scene, which is all of her scenes. Uh, yeah. And then the scene where she explains to Tom Hanks, actually being a woman hard sometimes. And he goes, mm. 
never thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> also, her sister was having an affair with JFK. And so Ben Bradley used to be really oh. good friends with James Jesus Engleton, who was the head mm-hmm. of the CIA then. And they mm-hmm. did a whole giant investigation because the CIA was trying to do all of this crazy much more interesting story is this crazy covert operation where the CIA was trying to manipulate and control what the media was reporting. So they were really good friends. And then when it was revealed that his sister-in-law was having an affair with JFK, they had like a big breakup around all of it. Like there's a lot of palace intrigue around the CIA and Ben Bradley and the Kennedy administration. So and many interesting things that would have made the movie more fun to watch. I know. Were they I mean, acknowledged? Ben Bradley's wives would have been a better movie. Just <laughs> cover those three wives and you could they met in Paris. It's like a whole mm-hmm. thing. Like there's some good shit. But we got the garbage heap. Tom Hanks, I mean, and and maybe there are exceptions to this rule that I'm not thinking of, but Tom Hanks has like pretty exceptionally bad taste in like period movies. Yeah. I think because he's in one of my least favorite movies of all time, Charlie Wilson's War, Mm. a movie that is 10 years old and yet is like, how did this movie come out? And people were like, it's so cute how this like political official is harassing women for three hours. It was, oh God. But Mm. wait, can I just talk about one more thing about the movie? Okay. So when Bob Odenkirk's character, Ben, (laughs) Ben, goes to, goes to meet, um, I'm losing my Daniel mind. Daniel Ellsberg. Right. And he goes to his hotel room and there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stacks of paper all, everywhere. Yeah. And then he compiles it into two file boxes <laughs> yeah. and brings it on the plane. And to, I was to like, deliver How did a trailer happen? moment. To deliver that trailer moment. Oh, oh I don't know. Oh, government secrets. Government secrets. Oh. Okay, trailer guy. Easy oh, job for you. <laughs> government secrets. Ben. <laughs> We're all laughing. And also there was We're so much up. weird bumbling for no reason. Like like yeah. when Baba, when Ben has to make a phone call Every time. and he's like, he drops his notebook and I the quarters are falling. And I was like, why is he bumbling what does that have to do with is that a choice i wrote that down because every time he's at a payphone which is like three or four times there's some sort of fit they're like let's let odenkirk do some physical improv like no why that's not what this movie is what do you it builds the tension of the scene (sighs) no Uh, No. one of my god in a movie full of my least favorite scenes (laughs) (laughs) at some point jesse plemons and zach woods show up and it's like are they Woodward and Bernstein? No, <laughs> no, they're not. But there's that scene at the end, and this is like another time where, I don't know why, but in so many recent episodes, like the way music is used in movies has really been like bugging me. Mm. And it's so, it's just lazy in this, where it's just like, yeah, let's just throw in some swelling strings and hopefully people won't notice, you know. <laughs> but there's like that scene at the end where uh, a woman in the office is getting a call and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so-and-so and the ruling is in and they say that journalism is good and journalists are good and then like the music is like yeah. do 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 I was like fuck this what do you how dumb do you think we are exactly yeah. not uh, to mention like the way that all went down I can't imagine that's how it goes down right, right. a screamed line yeah. of exposition yeah <laughs> journalism wins <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like and, and it's like just make eye contact with the camera like that's uh, oh boy I know should so. I even attempt a recap? I, I don't know if I'm gonna. Yeah, well, well, we, we can help fill in okay. the gaps. This is a tricky. This is a hard movie to recap. It sure is. So uh, it's 19, yeah, 71, 72. We're in the middle of the Vietnam War. Nixon is president. K. Graham, the publisher, I guess, of the publisher of the Washington Post. Yes, Catherine. Uh, yeah, again, I don't even know what the first 45 minutes of the movie are. Like, 
oh, it opens with this like scene in the Vietnam War where this journalist, he's like observing, he's checking things out, and then he reports back to Bob McNamara, and he's like, actually, things in the war aren't really good. And they're like, well, we can't tell anyone this. We have to lie. So it becomes this like huge study that becomes these top secret documents. And then Daniel Ellsberg is like, I should I should steal these (laughs) and leak them. So the New York Times gets a hold of them first and leaks a little bit of it, but then the Supreme Court's like, No, you can't do that. Yeah, they're setting up for a long leak. Right. Well, no, no, the Supreme Court didn't say you can't do that. What happened was there was an injunction because of the White House. Mm. Um, So the White House tried to get this from not happening, saying that it was it would be a national security risk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm going. No, no, you're doing great. You're killing it. You're nailing it. (laughs) And meanwhile, Catherine Graham and Ben, one of the Bens, (laughs) uh, they're like, wow, crap, like all this paper, we should take it public and no one takes us seriously. And they're all upset about that right and then people, and people are like there's like the implication of like well we can't have a woman running a paper it's a liability right exactly sort of yeah, yeah no one really uh is confident in her abilities she, right. she's, and she's she, really good friends with the guy who wrote the pentagon papers right big so oops that's a problem oopsies and she fired she fired al friendly like they they had in such weird specific details i'm like I, what, who is this for yeah anyways so the Washington Post, via another of the Ben's, ben. uh, the Bob Odenkirk Ben, gets a hold of this huge study, the Pentagon Papers, as they later become to be known. Can't um, hold a phone, but he's a great journalist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's this whole sequence about, oh, do we publish these? Like, it's our journalistic responsibility to let the American public know that the Vietnam War is actually not good and that the government knew that we couldn't win it from the very beginning, but we still keep sending soldiers over there to die in this war. Mm-hmm. And that, But then they're like, oh, but what will it do to our newspaper? It might you know, it will collapse and all this stuff. Yeah, because of the injunction. So they were right. trying to decide whether or not they would be shut down because of whether or not the Supreme Court would rule right. that yes. it was illegal. Liz, do you know, I did not check this, but um, was like the timeline of like, because the timing of this, part of the reason that she, that uh, Kay is like, I don't know if we should leak the papers is because there is some sort of like week long thing when they were going public. Yeah, so what happens is, the newspaper was was a family-owned paper, and they were hemorrhaging money, and they were in, in debt. So what they were going to do is go public so people could buy shares and the newspaper could stay afloat. Right. There's a window of time when you go public and you have shareholders. There's a window of time where if you do something that is highly illegal or unethical, the deal can fall through. Mm. And the shareholders can back out of the deal. So that window of time was when they were deciding whether or not they were going to defy what could possibly be a Supreme Court ruling that said freedom of the press does not mean that you can take government acquired whistleblowing papers and expose them to the public. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court ruled that it is in the public's good to know that this is happening in their their Mm -hmm. name. But Mm -hmm. this was the timeline where this was happening during that window where the deal could have fallen through. Okay, cool. Yes, yes, yes. So after a lot of like Catherine Kay being like, should I publish or should we not publish this story? What do we do? She 
finally decides to go ahead and run the story, publish. And then she says, I'm going to bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's sleeping for a lot of this movie. (laughs) That's right. She's so tired. She's exhausted. And so they're like, oh, no, what's this going to do? Because there's another, uh, like, extra obstacle at the last minute where the lawyers were like, oh, wait, your source was the same source as the New York Times. And that could really, like, you could go to prison for that. Like, the stakes were very high. Catherine's like, fuck it, publish the damn paper. And they do. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And then all the other papers follow suit. And they're like, wait, we saved the world. And then there's a 45-minute sequence of Steven Spielberg filming newspaper presses. Which I actually kind of liked. (laughs) That was the most visually interesting part of the movie, because the rest of it's just talking Just watch Citizen Kane, then. It's way better and has like that in it, too. Like, there's a million, I can give you a million papers where they spin around and it's a headline, like a million movies. (laughs) That visual effect, that is not insufferable time you'll never get back. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, can we reallocate the time spent looking at newspaper presses, explaining what's happening in the fucking movie? Especially newspapers that aren't yours. It's a movie about the Washington Post and we just keep reading the New York Times. (laughs) It was wild. The majority of revelations come from the New York Times, which is weird because it's eventually the Washington Post does get a story, but that Mm -hmm. is not really focused on what that actually happened. I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know what is happening in this movie. Uh, <laughs> is it is that everything though? I mean, I they're think, like, and then finally we did the, it. the Supreme Court rules that freedom of the press is freedom, freedom of, the, of press. the press. Yeah, and then could we have like, seen Hurrah. that? Could we have seen that instead of hearing someone scream at on, uh, to the office on a phone? Yeah, that would have probably been more appropriate. And then mm. the movie ends with the like Watergate scandal robbery thing. Yeah. happening. <laughs> that is that, that was a breaking. And then we're all like, oh yeah. wow, Nixon of, is gonna not be the president anymore. Then, soon. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> It, that's when I realized it wasn't Woodward and Bernstein because they hadn't been hired yet. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. They're breaking into Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office, which they did. Yeah. And all that craziness. So, right. Fun. Uh, it was, I mean, it it was such a cheese ball ending to the movie. It, like, yeah, audible laughter. You literally don't need to say it. You don't. Yeah. You, you, listen, I know we've been talking about it for a while now, but skip the post. <laughs> you don't got to see it. I know. Are we it's, saying it too early in the podcast? Are there a, <laughs> wait, who, well, well, let's, stay with us, though. Yeah. yeah. Keep, keep listening. Because we, we haven't even told you if it makes the grade. Yeah. Right. It's true. I mean, let's get into the female characters discussion because who boy. I mean, yeah. who well, boy. So much. It's all just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Yes. Right. I feel oh. like until the third act, Catherine Graham is not very much an active character in the story. She's not really doing any. I mean, she's making decisions, but we don't actually see her doing much. Like she's not. I mean, I guess. And that's like not necessarily her role as the publisher to be like, like in the middle of the excitement and like reporting on stuff. But. Well, part of what, part of what bothered me from like very early in the movie is that I don't even know if like the way the movie portrays her and kind of a little bit the way Meryl Streep plays her, it's not super clear to me that she is extremely competent at her job. Yeah, which in real life she was, and so it it was like w- weird where they were just like, well, we don't know if she's able to do the job, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm <laughs> I'm sure she's able to do the job because she's always 
just waking up <laughs> and being like, I miss my, my husband. Glasses. Yeah, where's my Adderall? <laughs> right, but, right. But I feel, too, it's like this was her family's business, right? Mm-hmm. So you were the newspaper of record through monumental things. You grew up in a newspaper family. Do you have passion about information? Do you right. do you have passion about freedom of the press, caring about what the public thinks? Or was your family just like these rich publishing people who were hobnobbing around with LBJ and all the way that they sort of dropped that stuff about yeah. she and her husband? But forget about the husband. She Her dad owned the paper. Mm-hmm. So I was like, do you care about this shit? It's not clear. I mean, I feel like she is far more like her motivation in in regards to working for the paper. Like her character always connects it back to like, I want to make my dead husband and father proud. Like it never really has to do with like journalistic integrity or or breaking stories. And and I I haven't done a deep dive on Kay Graham and I don't know what her actual, you know, like interviews. I think she loved it. I mean, I think she loved the newspaper business. hmm, Yeah, it it was. This movie's weird because it made me like her. Like I had more like excitement and respect for her as like a historical character mm-hmm. before I went into the movie than when I left. Cause the way the movie <laughs> portrays it is weird. And there's that scene with her and her daughter uh, towards the end of the movie where it's like, I feel like Kay, like the movie sells out the character entirely in like one of the last scenes where she's just like, you know, she's saying like it was very stressful and, but she's only talking about, I want to make my dad proud. I want to make my husband proud. I want to da 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 And, just going on and on and to the point where she's saying, oh, and when my father wanted to give the paper to my husband and not me, I thought that made total sense. Yeah. I was like, what is, what? And she also says something weird like, people always say that whenever they see a woman doing something, I forget what verb she is, but it was like, when a woman does this thing, it's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. It's bad and it's weird. And like dog shaming. Yeah. <laughs> Don't shame a dog. Well, and also it was like when they were going public, they were saying, oh, you know, maybe you could try to think about expanding and becoming more than just like a local paper in the Washington. And she was like... I don't know. I kind of just want to reach for the top shelf. I'm not really reaching for the moon or the stars. I don't. I just want to keep it going and pay people. And and even the opening scene was just like she was all consumed with making sure that the paper was covering Richard Nixon's daughter's wedding. Right. Yeah. Julie Nixon Eisenhower. Yeah. That was the hill she was ready to die on. Yeah. For some reason. (laughs) Yeah. Die on that hill, girl. Well, another early scene is when. I don't know the guy's name, but she was kind of being coached by this guy of what to say whenever they go into this like big board meeting about when they're discussing like what the oh, yeah. stock prices are going to be. I kept and, writing like, it down as like Meryl Streep's friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he worked for the paper, but I don't know what his name is or what his role is. Bradley but, Whitford? Maybe. No, Bradley Whitford, the actor, isn't he oh, the guy um, who, who played the, the old, oh, is that the older guy? Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. maybe. And every role he's in recently, I'm just like, wow, that was because he's in Get Out too, and I'm like, that's yeah. he was in West Wing. Yes, he was in West Wing. West Wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a West Wing guy, wasn't it? Oh my God, he was the (laughs) West Wing guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, so him, he's like coaching Catherine Graham on like what to say, and she seems flustered, and she's like, I don't, I feel like I don't know this stuff. And then you see a scene where, like, immediately following that, she's in the board meeting. She's the one woman out of like twenty other men, and they're all talking about, oh, I thought the shares were going to be uh, twenty-seven dollars, and there's like an opportunity for her to reveal the knowledge that she was practicing with this guy, and she's going to say, well, you know, quality drives profitability, and then she totally chokes and then her friend see i actually kind of liked that scene if it were paid off on in any way later on but it's not like if she would like gets a chance to redeem herself maybe is that what you mean yeah because I, I feel like the way that that scene plays out like we as an audience know it's like ah oh, what a missed chance and you know she yeah, is yeah, in yeah. this huge room full of men who don't want to listen to her but then the movie kind of i mean like sputters out in terms of keeping that going in terms of like developing her as someone who you want to see succeed like I don't know. Right. I, I was mean, hoping that that would come. I, th- I was hoping we'd see her in a meeting later where she would, you know, have one of those movie moments of like, actually, I have something to say. And but, you know, that never happens. There was no swagger. We do, well, we do. I mean, she does. It, I kind of redeem herself by the end when she's like, I know the stakes. I know I might go to jail over this. I know that the paper might totally fail. But I say publish anyway. And we're like, yeah, uh, you made the says, right decision. I'm going to bed. <laughs> going to bed. But that character arc, we don't see the actual arc happen. Like, it's just she like flubs up at the beginning and then we don't like you said yeah we don't really see her character grow and develop and build over the course of the story that leads to that point where she like suddenly has strong decision making skills she has a few moments that i'm like you know there was like there was one scene she had with tom hanks ben uh (laughs) where they're sort of challenging each other on uh, Nepotism. Hey, yeah, yeah, and and like the way that Tom Hanks' character treats Meryl Street is, <laughs> you know, a mix of respect and condescension. But I mean, there are scenes where they're challenging each other, and it is like a lively discussion. We have no idea if you don't know the exact particulars of the history, you have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Mm. But they are challenging each other, and so she has these few moments of like, oh, she does know things. Mm-hmm. We just don't see her demonstrate knowing things in the way she does her job. Right. So, I well, don't know. Also, there was a scene, and I'm sure that it was put out there for discussion, but it was just angering, where there's a dinner party, and then somebody yeah. starts to talk about some kind of smart thing, and then woman says, well, that's time for us to move. And all the women and Catherine mm-hmm. Graham go into one room and talk about outfits or some shit. Little, and the men the talk about section. politics. Yeah. Yeah. That scene was fucking infuriating. And uh, to keep our discussion about Titanic always going forever. Oh, I was thinking the same Far thing. more effectively done in Titanic 1997. <laughs> but there, I mean, but this is like sort of, you know, the, the the women go to one room, the men stay in the room and smoke cigars and, you know, what's the line All in Titanic? politics wouldn't interest you anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The famous Billy Zane performance. <laughs> Shout out Billy Zane every day always. But... The and way he, this he scene, says that to Jack, he's like, "You're too poor to know about cigars and things." <laughs> Feminist icon Jack Dawson's like, "I'm going with the ladies." Yeah, see you later. <laughs> I just want to watch Titanic again. I know. Um, but in the post, the way that rolls out, it challenges nothing. They're like, "Oh yeah, the women are not going to talk about anything but clothes. We don't know what any of their names are." And one literally goes like, "Kay, that that dreadful day job of yours." I'm like, I "Are know. you fucking kidding yeah. me?" They are, you know, according to the post, women are that dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, just... it was just an endless. 
And and it felt like they were wedging things in to remind people how sexist things were by like shit like that, where it's like, I get that. You can't show me in demonstrable ways any redemption at all. You know, right. even her decision to change the course of journalistic history was like, is Bob on the line? Mama, are you on the line? Bob, are you there? Are you on the line? Ben, are you on the line? Is everybody on the line? Who's on the line? Are the Russians on the line? I don't know who's on the line. So many climactic scenes in this movie take place over the phone. It's very frustrating. I'm like, what's actually happening? Also to the point of like all the women talking about like, oh, gowns and whatnot. There's a scene at the end after like, after the climax, and we're like, wow, we won. Journalism saves the day. And there's a group of people gathered around a woman's desk in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. And she says something like, no more articles about dresses or shoes. And But it's just like a throwaway line that like Brave. Mo- you probably, Brave. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, subtle. Great job. But there's also that scene where she goes and challenges Robert McNamara. And she's just like, how could you do this? Like, you knew all this stuff. Bob. You kept it secret. Bob. And- Bob. 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 Bob, how could you do me dirty, Bob? Bob. So, my son, my nephew, Bob. I think I might take back what I said about, like, not really seeing her arc. Because you do see those times where she does go and, like, challenge people. And it seems like she's getting more confident in her abilities and decision-making and whatnot. And I also think it's cool that you do see kind of the stakes of the country and different parts of the globe kind of resting on her shoulders in terms of like, do we leak this information? Do we let the public know about this like very important thing that was happening at the time? I like that you get to see a woman in that position where she's making such a crucial decision. Yeah. Was I, it told interestingly I don't in think this it was, movie? Mm. I felt like this movie was not interesting, which is crazy given the story it's telling but i also feel like it just like does a huge injustice to the story and its characters like it just yeah if i knew nothing about the pentagon papers or any of that going into this movie i'd be like oh so this was kind of a a drag kind of a boring thing that had which is crazy because there's there's so much and they just do nothing like they're one of my main things with this movie was like i feel like this exact movie in every single way could have been made 15 years ago like, it just feels like it, it could have come out at any time. Like, there's no, especially because they're like, oh, it's a timely movie. It's a timely story. If you told me this movie came out in 2002, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. Because of how he treats his characters and how it treats the source material, it could have come out fucking whenever. Well, and also, like, as somebody who created a TV show that wanted to shit all over the nepotism in the media, which is how mm-hmm. The Daily Show came to be, its driving force was observing the media and watching, you know, all these shows. The storylines for me of literally when Catherine Graham is challenged by Ben Bradley, the editor of the paper, mm-hmm. and he says, wait, Robert McNamara has literally written this massive dossier that shows there's electioneer fraud. We've covered up the war. We're st- we send people to die knowing we were losing. And she goes, oh, do we have, he's been having kind of a bad time lately. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, so it's like, that is the point. You know, even the journalism that's supposed to be the best journalism we have in this country is so full of bullshit. And Tom Hanks sort of touches on it by like, everybody wants to go to the same parties with this one and that one. And and those stories of like of how those things intersect and how people finally do the right thing, like I think that's really important. And so it was like a shit bath 
up until she finally pulls the trigger. But like, how much do you have to be convinced when there's thousands and thousands and thousands of paper and thousands and thousands and thousands of dead people and so maimed many lives young people? Right. Yeah. And and you're like, oh, my friend is, I don't know, he's got, you know, restless leg syndrome and he's just trying <laughs> to make it work. And I can't. Yeah. His I, wife was, and him had a fight. Yeah, you know. They were oh. having a hard time. It's really tough. <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, all of it was just sad. By and large, yeah, I feel like Kay's character is underserviced and kind of largely just like unexamined as a mm-hmm. person it's just kind of all over the she place. doesn't get that much screen i mean this is not an ensemble cast i don't really know if we're supposed to identify any one character as the protagonist of the movie because it seems like it's her and tom her hanks's and tom character H- sure. but she doesn't get that much screen time okay if they were doing a movie called the begdell cast <laughs> and you were hardly in it <laughs> Right. That would be weird. And they made one of us significantly dumber than we were in real life. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be, yeah. It would be like, like what the fuck? Like, yeah. It's called I The don't... Post. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know. I just kind of feel like, I mean, I know that like, there's not like 200 people that work on your podcast. So I know that's different. How dare you that we know reveal of. our yes. secrets. Your, your strength <laughs> Jeez, is so is clearly amazing. <laughs> Um, that you don't need 200 people. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That would be funny if there was a Bechtel cast movie and I was in it for three minutes and I was only drooling. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, All you did was drink Mike's lemonade. I'm just like, um, what are we doing? Where are we? What's happening? Um, and my name was Bob. Ben. 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 Judith, who is the uh, she was the person who was maybe going to report on the wedding, but yeah. then they were like, "You're not allowed." Right, but there's the, she said that Trisha Nixon looked like a, looked like trash. No, she said she looked like a vanilla ice cream cone. A uh, sick freaking delicious. Burn. Get that money. Sick a vanilla ice cream cone. Oh my god, you're fired. That's too sick a burn. Yeah. Uh, she so she's in it. There's another woman uh, who there's... appears to be a journalist or a reporter of some kind. She's the one who, at the end, was on the phone and kind of like dictating what the Supreme sure Court ruling. I wasn't sure she's a journalist or Tom Hanks's secretary. Oh yeah, yeah I, don't I know. was unclear about her role. Yeah, there she... was the daughter. The daughter who did do she we have a name? Le- I don't know if we learned her name. I was struggling with that. I was like, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Because those were the scenes that I thought. I'm like, well, this. And it sucks because there's two extended scenes with Kay Graham and her daughter. Mm-hmm. And there are some exchanges that you're like, this could maybe pass the Bechdel test, but I'm not sure what her name is. I don't think I, I mean, we from can, what I could tell, you don't learn what we it is. We know her uh, her maiden name is probably Miss Graham, but no, we don't I'm, know her I'm first not, name. I'm not cutting yeah. this movie any slack. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't think we learned her name. No. And did the little daughter's name, did we learn her name? I don't think I so. I don't think so. No. Also, Although um, it would be hilarious if this movie passed the Bechdel test strictly on that lemonade stand interaction. Yeah. I think it lemonade, might. Lemonade, vodka? <laughs> yeah. Is it got vodka in it? <laughs> Catherine also has an assistant or secretary. Oh, she's walking up the steps in that but scene. But I don't know if we know her name either. <laughs> no, she was like, you have to be at this place at five. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Thank so, you yeah, so there much. was that scene. And then there was the scene with the daughter. But we don't know the daughter's name. And then was there an exchange between, does it, who wants sandwiches? 
and, and, and there was one woman in that room. Was that Judith or not Judith? I think it was not. Oh yeah, it was Judith. Was it Judith? There Maybe. are eighty billion she... characters in this movie, so I I don't. I know couldn't tell who. you the name of literally anyone if I didn't Seriously. recognize them. Judith by the and Teen. Or Tin, Antoinette, <laughs> Twin, Tin. Uh, yeah. Actually, Tom Hanks, being lady, not easy. Oh. How is he? Oh, my day was fine. Thanks for asking. Um, there is a whoa, scene. feminist icon. <laughs> Look out. There's a scene where a woman, and I don't know who it is, says to Kay, I got a cake. Is that okay? And Kay says, as long as no one counts the candles, because it's her birthday. Yeah. What's, what's her name? Do we know? I don't know. Her name is? Oh. I th- it She's might have walking been... towards the door to answer it when Ben Bradley is there to say, I'm at your party. Oh, I my God. tell you something. Ben Bradley <laughs> comes to her house at the beginning of 45 scenes of this movie. He's like, me again. And to the point where the movie even starts calling it out of like, wow, Ben, you keep showing up at my house. It's like, yeah, almost like there's a more interesting way to do this scene. Like, I know. it's great. <sighs> And I also just feel like we have to ask some old people if you just went over to people's houses unannounced before the times of phones and things, right. did people just show up they at your were, house all the time? I remember when I was a kid, like my dad's friends would just pop over. Maybe people just came yeah, over. But to your just, boss? I feel like that's... Maybe not. I'm kind of glad that that trend has died out. I, when, whenever someone is like, hey, I'm just popping in. I was like, no, you have to leave my home. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not home. No matter of how many clear indicators that I'm home. Yeah. yeah. Don't get, my my grandfather would do that when we were little and my, it would drive maybe then it is like an old person thing cuz it would drive my mom fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. She was just mm-hmm. like, "Why is he what? <laughs> He's got a phone. Like there's no need to just show up places." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Feminist icon, Feminist icon, your grandfather. No, he's actually a pretty bad person. Yeah, so we're all my grandparents. Okay, so as far as the movie passing the Bechdel test, I Does it? couldn't identify any scene where there were quite a few scenes where women were interacting, but they were either talking about men or we did not know. It's usually Catherine Graham talking to someone else, but I don't think we know the other character's name in almost all of those scenes. I'm or, with you. If not all of them. I, I don't think I, I was the same way because I was like, Super, because I did the same thing. I watched it three weeks ago, and then I watched it again okay. for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking through the lens, right. and I have notes of like this happened at this, and I took a note of every scene. Yeah, and I was like, do I know that person's name? Like, do I have to go back and rewind it four times to see if maybe? And I was like, I don't know any of these people's names. Yeah, right. This is and and something else that I noticed that really bugged me, especially on the second viewing, was how many times there are several women in the same room and their characters don't interact in any Any way way. at all. And that to to me says like, I don't think that was done intentionally, but to me that's even worse of just like, oh, this filmmaker, it wouldn't even occur to them to have female characters interact. Like it just, there's so many scenes where Meryl and her secretary are in the same room the whole time they do not speak mm-hmm. well and there's men this, speak to them but that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. well and there's that scene when she walks in to talk to all the stockholders mm-hmm. and she walks up these steps and all of these women are standing out there and they open the door for her and she <laughs> yeah. walks in and i was like are they the secretaries of all the men in there like who are all oh, those women on the stairs like, the, yeah, yeah and they all they, have these weird 40 yard stairs yeah. I'm like, what are they thinking? what were they all standing there for I they were like smiling at her they're yeah. like good job yeah we're also ladies there's right it's just like a very vague over like women other women but it's like why would you know who she is there's that scene i forget why exactly she's in court at this point 
But there's that scene where she's speaking to a young woman and the young woman's like, I hope you win. And then she sees that woman's boss mistreat her and be like, you're late, even though traffic or something. And that was another weird scene that I'm like, I think that Steven Spielberg thought he was being a feminist just then. Mm. But it was ultimately just a weird scene that ne- and it never comes back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, she worked for the judge. I think she was like, like work for the judge. One of the judges. Yeah. 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 It was. I was like, oh, OK. Like. It that just, was the one who's like, she's like, my brother's still over there. Yeah. And I hope you win. But don't tell my boss I said that or even that I talked to you. Ugh, I can't. Well. <laughs> I'm really glad that I, um, because I came in here fucking hating this movie. And I <laughs> yes. was like, okay, oh good. my God, these women are like, I'm so happy. You guys were just like, oh my God. <laughs> I was almost worried that you picked we, it because you liked it. No. We were worried too. I was like, man, this is the smartest person in the world. How could she like this movie? <laughs> oh no. I will never let you down. <laughs> I will never you. let you down. I might let you down by telling you this right now. Can we hold hands when we tell you? Yes. 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 I haven't seen Titanic. <gasps> no, I, that's that. You know, you're gonna have an amazing night. I'm gonna watch it, and then oh, I'm just gonna so call you both and be like, "I watched it. It's ama- it's like I'm really happy. I did it, it does so much better than you would ever in your life think it would do in I terms know. of the way it treats female characters. However, it's not necessarily a great movie. Is However, it a, is it a classy? Movie? Another counterpoint. No, it is. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I know, it's and not, I don't know why I haven't seen it. I think it's one of those movies where, do you ever meet those people who like they didn't have sex in high school mm-hmm. and then they didn't have it in college and then they're virgins and by accident and they're like, now I just am keeping it as a point of pride and maybe I'm yeah. just getting, you know. And I feel like that way about Titanic, where it's like I just didn't see it and then I was gonna and then I haven't and like do I not see it? But I feel like I should just fuck Titanic. Yeah. Just have sex, yeah. have sex with Titanic. Yeah. You should yes. just fuck the Titanic. And then I'm <laughs> yeah. fuck the Titanic. Yeah. I, right. I'm the same way with The Godfather. I've never seen it. And then I think it's like extremely cute when I tell people I haven't seen it. And then they go, oh, and unhinge their jaws. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. It's not on purpose. But yeah, it becomes yeah. on purpose after a while. Mm. Let's see how far into my life I can make it without seeing The Godfather. Yeah. It's good. You should see it. It's yeah. kind of an amazing movie. People, I've, I've heard good things. Yeah, heard and good things. Godfather Two like yeah. is uh, largely considered to be a better movie than the first I one. I agree. Similar with Paddington Two and how it is the other best movie ever made, along with Titanic. All right, Paddington Two, love it. Anyway, I'll I see it. I can't contribute. Everyone's upset with me. I saw. No, <laughs> I'm like I haven't seen even a Paddington One. I think it's a <laughs> no, bear. I'm, like, I'm assuming it's a bear. It's I a bear. Think, right? It's yeah. a bear with a raincoat. He's got a duffel coat and a red hat. Yeah, hat. yeah. Mm. I had to kill two hours yesterday, and so I saw about seventy percent of Jumanji. Oh, I want to talk to you about that. Oh, uh, I stayed until Nick Jonas showed up. I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'm out. I guess I'm yeah. done. I guess I'm good, <laughs> and I'm gonna just go do what I have to do. But you know, not Jumanji as bad as you a think. genie. No, it's no, it's like a board a, game. A board game, right? Yeah. I, I hadn't seen the first oh. one. Oh. I'm very familiar with Jumanji 1990-whatever. Yeah, I don't know a Jumanji. I know something. I don't know. The new Jumanji, there's a lot of colors. It's kind of like a sensory overload. Is it a cartoon? No. No, it's a. It's Jack Black, Kevin Hart. The Rock. The Rock. Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. <laughs> a woman from Doctor Who whose name escapes me. Karen I feel like Gillian. I feel like you deserve better. I thank you so much. I feel much. like your time deserves better. I just didn't have enough time to go home, so I'm like, I guess I'm gonna just see part of Jumanji. <laughs> Did you pay money? 
I had I use Movie Pass. Is that free? So yeah, yeah. So it's like you can see one movie a day for like ten dollars a month. So it's not free. It's not. It's not free. free. But if you go Just to the like movies freedom. a lot. It's true. Movie Pass is much like freedom. And you know what else? And that it is not granted to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) You have to ask for it. You know what else isn't free is the press for a little bit in this movie that we're talking about. Thankfully, they saved journalism. I love tying it back to the relevant topics. You're a master of segues. You are Mm. so good. You are the segue. Shall we rate the movie on our nipple scale? Okay. So, Liz, we have a scale of zero to five nipples by which we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women. I'm going to have to say it's not like... This isn't the worst one we've ever done, but no. it's certainly not the best. I'm going to I'm going to give it like maybe a two and a half nipples. Okay. We've talked about how disserviced Catherine Graham was in the movie. I feel like we're not really ever on board with her and that might be because she doesn't get a lot of screen time or opportunity for us to get to know her. Um I feel like the story could have just come from a different angle and told her version of it much better. Of the other female characters there are, we never even get to learn their names. We don't even know what their situation is. We see 80 billion men on screen at all times, and that's frustrating. I don't know. It could have done better. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Who are you giving your nipples to, though? (laughs) The most important question. Yeah. I'm going to give two of them to the lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) And the half nipple will go to K. Graham. I'm going to give it two. And and I would like to see what this movie would look like in the hands of a female director. Yes. Because I feel like a lot of missteps would not have been. But I mean, and I know that we're, we're commenting on how women are treated by the movie and not the movie itself. But this movie is just like so lazily done in every single way. And I feel like just the way it treats its female characters is one of the very lazy components. John Williams composed the music for us and it's the worst. Like it's just <laughs> no one is doing a good job. I think that they give us a female protagonist and they're given the source material for a very interesting nuanced character and we just don't get it Mm -hmm. women be serving sandwiches women Mm. be providing exposition women be talking about shoes it's just like it's just all so fucking lazy and is a bummer on many levels because there is a good movie to be had about this subject matter and this was not it so i guess there is a movie called the pentagon papers which have you seen oh is there Mm -mm. No, I haven't seen it years ago. Oh, okay. I should have done more research on it. Sorry, everyone. If you know about the movie The Pentagon Papers, please tweet <laughs> at us. Someone's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was the movie was co-written by a woman, Liz Hanna, and Josh Singer. So you feel like it would have been a better movie, but just mm, kidding. Not this time. No, not this time. But yeah, I'll give it uh, two nipples. I'm going to give one of the nipples to to Zach Woods because uh, I like him a lot, but he didn't belong in this movie. And I'm going to give the other uh, nipple to Sarah Paulson because she also deserved way better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would give it two grudgingly um, <laughs> because really, what did you want me to walk out of this movie knowing and feeling? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the answers to those two questions. There's a biography about Catherine Graham that I would say we should all probably read. Because if Catherine Graham was a fraction of how she was portrayed in this movie and Bren Bradley saved that paper, then mm. that's the movie. Mm. And why are you making that movie trying to act like she did something if he pushed her into everything? You know, I just feel like everything about this movie was sexist. If she was not awesome, then why did you make the movie? 
Right. You right. Know? It's like, and if you wanted to make a movie that was about Ben Bradley and how awesome he was and that Catherine Graham said, I inherited this newspaper. I didn't want to be in the newspaper business, but you're really smart and I'm willing to put my family business on the line because you are willing to like fight for democracy. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this movie was other than I felt insulted by Catherine Graham's ineptitude. I felt insulted by the fact that I thought I was going into a movie that was going to tell me a little bit about her journey mm-hmm. in this historical context and didn't. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like every woman in it, I don't know who they were. Yeah. It was right. just to the point so, where you, sometimes you literally cannot tell them apart and you yeah, don't mm, know their names. Totally. Ever. Yeah. So I'm going to give my two nipples. I'm going to give, I guess, one to. Judy for wanting to have some Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hell yeah. <laughs> when it matters. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other nipple I'm going to give to, I don't even know who deserves it. I guess yeah, probably I guess Sarah Paulson for having to suffer through that bad Photoshop picture. God, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all had to. We were right there with her. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Steven Spielberg or, you know, whom, whomever tied to him, we were like, we want to make a journalism movie. Give me five ideas for a journalism movie. And he arbitrarily was like, oh, uh, women are hot right now. Make the woman (laughs) journalism movie. And it's just like, it's just so thrown together and wishy-washy. And the movie doesn't know what it thinks about itself. And then it ends on that horrendous, like a a bad SNL sketch of uh, Richard Nixon impersonator. (laughs) But like, here's the thing, though, like after knowing they made this movie because of the parallels of the times, like they Mm -hmm. chose the subject matter. Right. But. Also, of the times is now, you know, it's like then do a movie about women in journalism who we don't know about because they got fucked over by creepy bosses. Like, who are the women we don't know? Like, where's the journalism version of Hidden Figures? Make that movie. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, yes. that's what we need. We need the we need the hidden figures version of everything, everything in the world. Just do right. it's hidden figures of and call me later. It's the new <laughs> hidden figures extended universe. Yes, <laughs> of yeah. forgotten women through history. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. There's yeah. like way too many cool people who did really cool shit like that. I can't even. Yeah, and we don't know about them because yeah, history has buried them. <sighs> the post has got to go. Yeah, it's got to go. Not don't not like it. Good, and it's gonna be. It's nominated for everything to the point where I don't think that anyone who like nominated the post for an award has actually seen it. No, I don't either because <laughs> it's not winning. No, no way. Oh, Did no it win way. anything? No, good. No, it's no. also you. Ha- you have to nominate Meryl Streep or. Uh, a ninja comes after you. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep's ninja army. That's comes right. I mean, Meryl Street. I'm sorry, you're right. Meryl yeah. Street. <laughs> well, Liz, thank you so much for being this here. This was so much fun. I'm so Yay. glad that you invited me. Yeah, oh, this God. was a blast. We... I loved it. Yay. Can I come back? Of course. Or do you, are you? Do you have those one guest rules? Like, oh. there's people who no, 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 come no. back. Like, no, you can't come Any back. Open door policy for like five years. They're going to be oh dead whenever you want. <laughs> okay, good. Open door policy. Where can people find you online? Is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh my gosh, yes. You can find me online at Liz Winstead on all platforms. I spell my name with two Z's because I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, and then maybe what you want to do, because this is going to be super fun, on February 1st, Lady Parts Justice, which is my reproductive rights crazy comedy organization, is doing a big live stream telethon at ladypartsjustice.com. It's Rachel Bloom, Sarah Silverman, and I are hosting it. Oh my God. And it's a whole fun evening, two hour broadcast of comedy and learning about what's happening to reproductive rights and abortion access and how you can join in and have fun. You can pledge. Mark Hamill is going to be sitting for two hours <gasps> making crafts that are going to be auctioned. Crafts. Oh, 
my god! It's gonna be so Wait, does fun. Does Mark Hamill That's make crafts? Yes, he doodles and he does crafts and he does a bunch of oh stuff. Oh my god! You have me at Mark Hamill doodles. Yes. <laughs> so go to ladypartsjustice.com oh for all god. the info. It's gonna be a blast. That's so yeah. cool. There may or may not be a pinata that is the patriarchy with garbage inside. Oh, oh my god! That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> My blood pressure is rising. Yeah. Well, hey, on that, you can follow the Bechtel cast on Twitter, yeah. Instagram, Facebook. You can go to our website, Bechtelcast.com. Tweet at us, rate and review us on iTunes, pledge to our Patreon. Patreon. Speaking of pledges. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on the Patreon in February, it's Oscar. What did I call it? You called it Biopic March. Oh, okay. But it was actually February, <laughs> yes. and it was actually not even biopics. It was so it was Oscar Watch February. I accidentally called it Biopic March about forty five times. <laughs> but this month in the Patreon, we're doing I Tanya and the Disaster Artist, which are biopics. So I understood your mistake, but unfortunately, it was not for March. <laughs> I don't know why I spent the whole day thinking it was. But subscribe to the Patreon. Five dollars a month gets you two extra episodes a month. You betcha. Pretty good. And yay, journalism is alive and well, especially print journalism. (laughs) Swelling John Williams score. It's doing great. (laughs) All right, bye. Bye. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.